Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Well, this episode of Word in Your Ear is supported by Packed Coffee, who rather wonderfully post their fragrant and sumptuous wares to your home address in packages that drop through the letterbox. And they've just sent us some powerfully accelerating brews with all the range and flavour you'd normally apply to wine. As I so rightly point out, some of these have top notes of pink grapefruit. I noticed cherry that. and black currant. Yeah, did you? Unmissable. Yes, unprompted. Unprompted. Yeah. Oh, no, it's Toot- pink grapefruit. No, it's One of them good. has tutti frutti and sweets. No, it's otherworldly stuff and no mistake. Great songs about coffee, Dave. The White Stripes version of Dylan's One More Cup of Coffee, almost better than the original, I'm saying. Oh, oh fighting talk. There. Fighting That's talk. The White oh. Stripes is good. The Java Jive by the Ink Spots. Absolutely. Can't go That's wrong with the early Spots. celebration of... Uh, the energising properties of the new Wonder Bean and its value for anyone on the dance floor. But uh, another wonderful tune. Do you know um, Coffee Blues by Mississippi John Hurd? I do, actually. It's from his 1928 Avalon recordings. It, I even know that. It's, it's really good. I love that record. It's so funny. Record. And it just reminded me, there was a very different attitude towards advertising back then. It was all out in the open. You remember the days of the early Ed Sullivan show when he'd bring on a representative from their sponsors, Lipton Instant Tea. Yes, yes. Talk about the benefits, uh, benefits of their thirst-quenching beverage. <laughs> yeah. While the Beatles or Morecambe and Wise or uh, some ventriloquist or plate spinner loafed about in the wings. Totally different. And this is just such a great song. As he, John Hurt talks about, uh, I mean, it's, a, it's a classic old blues nudge wink, isn't it? It's a thing about a loving spoonful. Hey, it's and apparently not coffee at all. Yeah, Not coffee, apparently. Exactly. Ask John Sebastian. And uh, yeah, and he's kind of wrapped it up in this unapologetic ad for instant coffee. And it starts, this is coffee blues. I likes a certain brand. Maxwell House. It's good till the last drop. Just like it says on the can. If I can get me just a spoonful of Maxwell House, do me as much good as two or three cups of this other coffee. It's good, isn't it? It's very just, good. It, yeah, it's the way he tells them. And we're saying the pact will do you as much good as uh, two or three cups of other coffee. So if you fancy taking advantage of this deal, and let's be honest, it's a corker, go to pactcoffee.com. That's P A C T coffee.com. 
where you will get 50% off your first and third orders. And you, and you have to enter a code, don't you? Yeah, Mark? you've got to put yeah. in the code. You have to use a, there's a flexible coffee subscription. You enter your code, your ear, your ear, your ear, 15 different flavors delivered direct through the letterbox. That address again, and all the info at packedcoffee.com. Give it a whirl, the loving spoonful. And now back to the show. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. Do you remember the Queen's last jubilee the, with, with the musical component? Do you remember that show outside Buckingham Palace? Uh, didn't Stevie Wonder play? Stevie Wonder was Stevie fantastic, Wonder. was it, on that Stevie occasion? Wonder. He was. And, and uh, was that, I think it was Cliff the same Richard, thing. probably almost uh, inevitably. Uh, possibly. Is it the one where Brian May played on the roof or that's a different I, one? I think he probably did. Uh, that may be a different one, actually. And Madness did Madness. our house on the top of Bunker. That Palace. was good. That was, was good. It was all really good. I'll tell you what, Stevie Wonder was fantastic, you know, because if, if you're going to pick somebody to, uh, you know, entertain a mass audience from children to pensioners, Stevie Wonder's about as good as you can get. Yeah, really, isn't absolutely. Because yeah. everybody knows all, all those tunes. Anyway, there's obviously a major one coming up soon. I think Ed Sheeran's playing it, isn't he? That's right, it is. yeah. It has. But I thought if we were doing it, okay, and you've got your pick of any of any artist, everybody's still alive, okay. Yeah. This is yeah. what you're going to do, and you're going to take you're going to take a performer from each decade. The Queen has been on the throne, right? So we're going from for the, the 1950s. Uh, right through to the present day, okay. You got to take you got to take a, a UK performer from each of those decades to sum up that decade and uh, and be kind of anyone you to, want, right? Fantasy, put, fantasy, put, fantasy put, yeah. put before a queen, okay. So we're going to start with the 1950s, okay. Who are you going to choose, Mark Allen, for the 1950s? Uh, right, 1950s. Well, I, I, I there's various possibilities. Joe Brown or the Shadows, but the man surely. Would be Lonnie Donegan, don't oh, you think? Okay. Lonnie Donegan, you know, Rock Island Line, 1955. You know, the, the, the digging my potatoes, that kind of a seaside postcard source, that kind of when I'm cleaning windows source. Also, he couldn't be more 50s Britain, don't you think? Kind of austerity, skiffle, T-chest okay. base, okay. washboards, over to you, Alex. Dustman. Over to you, Alex, for 1950s. Because you remember the 1950s like it was yesterday. Go on. I remember them well. Go on. Absolutely. Um, well, for me, it was it was a toss-up, actually, between Cliff and the Shads, uh, which I felt was uh, a little bit too obvious, actually. Um, right. So I so... plumped for Tommy Steele. Oh, uh, good. That's good. Britain, Britain's he... first rock and roll star, I felt. Is he gonna is he gonna play rock with the caveman or is he gonna do flashbang wallop what a picture? Which bit of Tommy <laughs> Steele are you going for? You're probably not sufficiently familiar with Tommy Steele to say that. Okay, so you, you've said Lonnie Donegan and Tommy Steele. I'm going the other way. Do you know well, who I'm choosing for the 1950s? Noel Coward. Oh, Noel Coward. The Noel Coward who recorded in the middle of the 1950s. One of the great live LPs, which I commend to the community, which is Noel Coward at Las Vegas, not in Las Vegas, at Las Vegas, which is one of the great kind of one-man shows 
where he does all these all these wonderful tunes. So Noel Coward. What a great idea! One. Yeah, get them more British. Fantastic. Yeah, what a genius! And he was there, and that's great. Okay, moving on to the sixties. Mark Ellen, who is it well, going to be? Jerry in the pacemakers, be, obviously. It was going to be Fairport Convention or Small Faces, but I went for the Kinks. It's got to be the Kinks. Kinks, the big collared shirts. You know the the swinging the swinging London. Carnaby Street, the frock coats, riding boots, general kinkiness, um, okay. dedicated What's follower it? of fashion, you know, hips. They kind of summed up to me that kind of moment in the mid-60s when uh, when England was absolutely at the top of its game. And I think actually, wasn't, 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 wasn't that? No, it wasn't. I'm trying to think. The Kinks had a, had a number one record when England won the World Cup. Isn't that right? I oh, think God, they did. Baby, so yes. Nick can go and check that. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Alex, who would you have from the 1960s? I think there's only one answer to this question, and it's it, ha- I, it has to be the Beatles. It just it okay. just has to be. And, and, and I well, I would support you because the Beatles would be my choice as well. Okay, so we win in that case. Okay. You won. <laughs> All right. Beatles okay. two, Kings one. Moving on to the <laughs> moving on to the 1970s. Who is it in the 1970s, Mark Allen? Well, again, ELO or the faces, but I went in the end, and this is controversial. I went in the end for somebody who summed up pub rock. They summed up pints in dimple jugs, pork pies, the smell of the public by the sticky lino, the ashtrays, and it was Dr. Feelgood. Just their names Ooh. Sparko, the big oh, figure, Zebrillo, Wilco. You know, there's something about that which couldn't be more couldn't be more British, really. A man who wears a white suit in order to roll around like on a sticky lino floor, you know. Okay. A, a guitarist who machine guns the audience. They're, I'd say Dr. Feelgood. That's my Alex, opinion. what about you? Well, I felt the the quintessential band of the 70s was uh the quintessential British band of the 70s, sorry, it had to be slayed. Um, oh, I was tempted good. to say the clash just because I'd like to see. Joe Strummer play at Buck Palace. However, um, I thought that, that, that Slade would be a perfectly bridged that gap between acceptable establishment entertainment and something that was a little bit more edgy. Okay, so it's not a feel good. good Slade. My nomination is Roxy Music. Oh, good. That's nice. Oh, you know, just is. Uh, you know. Everybody liked Roxy Music in yep. some shape or form. So, okay, all good suggestions. Moving on to the 1980s. Who is in the 1980s, Mark Hill? I, I was wrestling with Kate Bush and the Smiths, but I went in the end for Pet Shop Boys. That's what I've done as Did well. You? Did yes. you? How funny. Well, we're right. Because Pet Shop Boys, Neil Tennant always talks about that being their kind of uh, imperial phase, their kind of their big hits. And it's so summed up that particular moment of kind of glorious 80s economic prosperity and general general sense of the boom, don't you think? And they're so funny. They're so funny and satirical and quirky and idiosyncratic. And, and the way Neil pronounces everything in, in, in very much in English, not American. I think they're uniquely British and they're fabulous. That's true. That's true. So, so Mark and I have both come for Pet Shop Boys. Alex, who is it for you? However hard I tried, I just couldn't get away from the Smiths, I'm afraid. All uh, right, okay. That's fair um, enough. Okay. Even though they recorded the record called The Queen is Dead. But, okay. Yeah, well. Uh, yeah, okay, fine. All right. So, okay, two vote, votes for the Pet Shop Boys, one for the Smiths. 
Moving on to the 90s, who's it going to be? Mark? My runners-up, Pulp, Chemical Brothers, Kirsty McCall, Stone Roses. But the winner, Kirsty McCall, of course, recording uh, Electric Landlady in that decade. But my winner of the 90s actually was the KLF. I'm sorry. Uh, wow. I just know they made such fantastic records. The kind of mu- Music is a kind of guerrilla art statement, you know. And who would ever have imagined that the former manager of Echo and the Bunnymen and, and the Teardrop Explodes, plus the bloke who did the poster for Athena of Lord of the Rings, would eventually finish up, you know, making a record with Tammy Wynette, who interestingly they thought was Dolly Parton. They got the wrong person. They, Dolly, they thought she was Dolly Parton. Uh, left a dead sheep at the Brit Awards and uh, supposedly burnt a million pounds. A lot of it was just kind of insane, eccentric, British kind of publicity making. And I thought they were just wonderful. And those records, What Time Is Love, uh, 3 a.m. Eternal, Justified and Ancient, you know, just great records. Uh, big soundtrack of the 90s for me. There so what, what about you, Alex? Well, it was tempting to, to go along the lines of Oasis having defined the 90s. However, I thought about this and I decided that, in fact, the group that defined the 90s was, in fact... The Spice Girls, who... That's what I've got. That's what I've got on my list as well. That's good. Oh, wow. That's when pop music turned female. Yeah, And it's been female ever since, actually. You know, all the big stars since have been female. Yeah. So, no, I wouldn't disagree with you there. So moving on to the next decade, which is the first decade of 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 the current century, uh, the 2000s, Mark? Well, I don't know. I, I thought it was very long and hard, and I thought in the grand tradition of The Girl Next Door, which is a British thing, the kind of Alison Moyet, Lulu, Scylla, Adele, you know, a, a, a singer is a complete opposite of what American stars tend to be like. They're always polished and controlled and manicured and fiercely marketed. I went for Amy Winehouse. I just thought she All was right, just terrific. Okay. Those records were a huge hits. There was something about her kind of suburban life and life in Camden, and I, I thought she was terrific. And I, I, you know, it, it all ended in tears, but that was a she was terrific. Okay, well, in this show, it doesn't end in tears. No, it doesn't. It's a fantasy, Alex. Who is it for you? Well, actually, um, I went for Amy Winehouse as well. I felt uh, that there, right, was, okay. was no other, there was no other choice really. It was Amy, yeah. Amy or nothing. I was gonna. I was going with Lily Allen, but okay, I'll. I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give you Amy Winehouse. Lily okay, good choice. So, good. so moving to the two thousand and tens, the two thousand and teens. Who is it then, Alex? Well, Alex, go on. Go on, Alex. It has to be Ed Sheeran. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. He's there anyway. Okay, difficult to argue against Ed Sheeran, isn't it? Mark Ellen, who is it? God, I was really stuck, actually. Ed Sheeran, uh, he's obvious. They quite like him. you know. I, I, I went for Wolf Alice, actually. He's just one of the groups from that particular period I really like. I love groups. I love, I love male groups with a girl singer, and there's something about them. They're very Glastonbury, just a great sound. They're very charismatic, but, I mean, they're not... <laughs> They're probably not big enough, actually, and well-known well, enough and international. I, well, I, I would actually propose, I propose you've got to have Adele, and you've probably got to have oh, Adele. Oh, yeah, Adele. Singing. You've got to have Adele singing We'll Meet Again. Yeah, good. It's, it's got a modern Vera Lynn figure. She so, is. okay, in the, the, the current decade, and finally, bringing it right up to date, who is it from the current decade, Alex? Okay, it has to be, absolutely has to be Wet Leg. 
right. <laughs> who are absolutely the band of the decade already. In fact, it's pointless anybody releasing any new music from this point because it just won't be as good as Shay's Nog. Okay, so the, the final, uh, the climactic uh, act in, in the Queen's uh, latest jubilee will jubilee. be, will be, ladies and gentlemen, from wet leg. <laughs> The world beat wet leg. <laughs> Thank you and good night. The Word Podcast. Two cocoa tins and a piece of string. This Word in Your Ear is brought to you in part by NordVPN. VPN stands for what, Mark Allen? What's it Virtual stand for? Private Network. There, there it is. There you are. I'm going to say it again. <laughs> what does VPN stand for, Mark? It stands for Virtual Private Network. And that is the way to keep your data safe on the internet, whether you're logging in uh, either at home or abroad. It protects your identity and encrypts your data so that nobody can steal your identity or your data. And at the same time, this enables you, NordVPN, to access the internet via servers in more than 50 different countries. So when you log on, you can say, where do I fancy being today? South Korea or Sweden? Where do I I feel like it? And uh, you can often sidestep um, region restrictions that restrict what you might watch in various different territories. And you can stream movies and TV programs from all over the world. This means, in my case, Mark, I need never be separated from the two films that I seem to spend most of my time watching. I got to try you on. Oh, these, go on! Right? I like this. Okay. So these are films that you you watch like once a year or that. Kind no, of thing. I just watch them again and again. I, I think I, I know, know which one of these is, but go on. No, sure. I don't think you do actually, because they're both films about they they cater to the male fascination with just how things work. Okay, and one is The Big Short. Have you ever seen The no, Big Short? I've never Short? seen it. No, no. Oh no, no. well, let me recommend it to you. It's not a masterpiece, but it, I've must have watched it about thirty times. It stars Steve Carell oh, and right. Christian Bale and Brad Pitt's in it, and it's basically about uh, it, it's based on a Michael Lewis book about people who bet against the housing market in the United States. Um, you know, they saw the two thousand and eight crash coming and they did very well out of it and that's one film and the other one which also features brad pitt again not a masterpiece of a film but i must have watched it 30 times is moneyball have you ever seen moneyball that's another film i haven't seen this oh is, mark I'm writing you, this down you got your yeah, weekend yeah. sorting out for you this is good the, the, the big short moneyball moneyball brad pitt plays again a true story and uh, and again, based on a best-selling book, he plays Billy Bean, who's the uh, who's the manager of the of the Oakland A's baseball team, who decides he's just going to do things in a very different way from the way everybody else runs a ball team. It's just going to it's just going to look at people's actual performance rather than their, their mystique. And Brad Pitt's just got that thing that in certain parts. You just you could spend the rest of your life looking at him. I know you can. Just watching him do things, watching him talk, watching him pick up the phone. You know what I mean? Watching him, watching him put things on a whiteboard behind uh, you know behind his desk. It's just got He's that mesmerizing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like they always used to say about Cary Grant. You know, the people used to watch Cary Grant films just to see him smoke. <laughs> 
You know what I mean? Enough, absolutely. It, was, it wasn't to see him hang off a cliff. It was just to see him do absolutely mundane, everyday things. Just be With drunk. extraordinary elegance. You know the old you, story you, about... Because you imagine you're just in a room with him, don't you? You imagine you're kind of living with him and just studying him in that kind of detail. You know, you had that wonderful line of Cary Grant where he said, uh, you know, everybody, all men want to be Cary Grant. He said, I want to be Cary Grant. <laughs> Which I think says a lot about the yeah, you know, yeah, nature yeah. of film startup. Anyway, the big short and Moneyball. There's your weekend for you, Mark Ellen. Perfect. NordVPN, you can um, you can take advantage of a deal where you can try NordVPN by going to nordvpn.com slash your ear or just use the code your ear to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan and one additional month for free and also a bonus gift. So it's risk-free because there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. Full details underneath in the show notes. The Word Podcast. Prime cuts of popular culture served fresh each week. So I went to a gig, Mark, this week uh, at the invitation of our uh, uh, friend of the podcast, uh, Kerry Shale. Kerry had arranged this some while back. He said, let's go and see the hot club of Cowtown. Um, and they're playing Cecil Sharp House. I haven't been to Cecil Sharp House for a long time. That is fantastic place. As we all panelled acoustics. <laughs> oh, it's gorgeous. Well, I don't know. I, I'm not sure I agree how gorgeous it is, but it's certainly kind of it's the 1950s, undoubtedly, in in, yeah. in Cecil Sharp House. But anyway, the 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 advantage of it is that it wasn't kind of allocated seating. So Kerry said, "Do you want to go and sit at the front?" Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So I said, yeah, let's go and sit at the front. So we sat at the front. And, uh, you know, it's a low stage and it's a very kind of low pressure gig. And uh, and so if you're sitting at the front, you can exclude the rest of the audience from your uh, experience 
you know, of, of the whole evening. You know, you're just looking at the at the act on stage. It's a little bit as if they're playing in a corner of your living room, which is very nice, you know. And uh, there are three piece. Uh, they're based in Austin, Texas, I think. Uh, but the, the, and the, there's a guy who plays bass. So the, uh, and the name is there a combination of kind of it's an echo of Stefan Grappelli, isn't it, and Jagger Reinhardt, Hot Club of Paris, and also Bob Wills, presumably, isn't it? Counting well, yes, okay. So, so yes, it, it, you know they are it, it, they do indeed echo Jagger Reinhardt, Stefan Grappelli, because you know she plays the fiddle, Elana James plays the fiddle, and Whit Smith plays the guitar, and then they have a bass player. One of these bass players who joined quite recently and looks so much a character, you know, in the way that uh, members of American groups do, that you kind of, you know, you always think to yourself, what have you been doing in the rest of your life before you joined that group? You can't possibly have been in any other group. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah American musicians kind of look the part. Completely. You know? So, but the two, the, the, the two kind of stars are Alana James. She's played with Bob Dylan and um, and all sorts of people, uh, and Whit Smith to play the guitar. And I have to say, having observed them closely for a couple of hours, I have never in my life seen virtuosity worn so lightly as in the case of the Hot Club of Cowtown. Because they're, they're both just fantastic musicians. But yet they're playing But they Western don't make a big deal ring. of it. They don't make a they big deal They don't do that kind of, look at me showing off. And, you know, look at my Because you kind of, you can't do it with Western swing music. You know what I mean? Because, the, it, it, you know, it's, it's kind of tricky. Everybody knows it's tricky, but it's there for fun. It's there for enjoyment. And also there's a there's a, a brevity which built into the whole mechanic, which stops it ever getting self-indulgent. The, the brevity is so much a part of the DNA of Western Swing that more than once during the set, when they were starting some kind of mad fiddle tune or whatever, Orange Blossom Special or I don't know what, they would say, see you at the end. See you in three minutes, you know, because everything they play is three minutes, three minutes long, long, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and they do they do autumn leaves and they do the continental and they do, you know, I don't think they did my window face of the south, but they do take me back to Tulsa. I'm too young to marry, all that kind of thing. So there's that side of them that absolutely fascinated me, that they were just ridiculously great musicians. But it was worn so lightly, and it was just done in the in the in the cause of entertainment. And the other thing that I was thinking about, I particularly thinking about when you're on the front row and you're just looking at them very closely. And I want to know if you've ever done this, Mark Evan, during uh, watching musical performances. Uh, generally, musical performances where there's a male and a female, where you, you kind of were thinking after the third or fourth number. I wonder if they're sleeping with each other. <laughs> have you ever? Come on, <laughs> be honest. Be honest. Have you thought that? Yeah, I mean, you do, because, don't you? Because, I mean, and I, I don't wish this to be in any way misinterpreted, but it, girls in groups nearly always were in a relationship with another member of the band, weren't they? I can remember going to see Bonnie Raitt in about 1977, and she, her bass player was a guy called Freebo. 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 Guy Freebo. With, a, with a kind of, sort of Frank Zappa-like moustache, yeah. a huge kind of afro. And she'd always go about my man Freebo, you know. 
and, and from that point of it, I to think all girls because because girls often if you're a musician the only people you can have any kind of social life with are the people you're actually traveling with yeah so you think about it her and I don't know Chrissy Hine Debbie Harry Kim Wilde Grace Slick Tina Weymouth Lucinda Williams you know all of, nearly all of, I mean every most female musicians were but the point, the point is whether they are or they aren't you can't help thinking about it anyway no, in the case you, you, you look for their looks between them because you can you, you can do. read so much into a look you, you? you get a little bit of wait till I get you home <laughs> that's right exactly yeah. messes up an <laughs> intro or whatever but, but 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 actually in the case of uh, of the Hot Club Countdown they're not they're oh, not right. an item at all and uh, he mentioned uh Whit Smith actually mentioned his wife's name at some point while introducing a song and I thought nobody does that by accident in in a show do they no refer to a member of the family it's clearly it's done quite deliberately done to make it absolutely clear there's nothing going on entirely professional relationship and anyway, then then she, you know, they occasionally they're they're doing oldies, but they also do their own songs, and uh, in the very much in the Western swing idiom. Uh, and she introduced one of hers, she said, which was about kind of boyfriend. I can't remember the exact expression she used. It was about boyfriends who didn't didn't last the pace or whatever, you know. And the song is called, and you like this, Mark? It's called. Near misses, spelt M R S. <laughs> oh, near really misses, isn't that good? That's really good. Misses, that's so funny. This is a junction in the word podcast. It separates that bit from this next bit. So, two stories from the the early days of rock and roll. Actually, from from slightly pre the early days of rock and roll, before it had a name, which is kind of interesting in itself. I'm just reading about Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller, the great songwriting team who went on to write Hound Dog and I think probably Jay Last Rock and, you know, loads of hits for the Coasters and all kinds of people. Ended up producing producing Steeler's Wheel, didn't they? Didn't they produce? I think they produced Stuck, Stuck in the Middle, in the middle with, you. <laughs> with You. I think anyway. Anyway, very early on, they were both. One was born in in New York. One was born somewhere in the middle of the country. And then they, their families both moved to Los Angeles. Then they met each other in Los Angeles, and they were like fourteen, fifteen year old kids who were just obsessed with um, with um, you know rhythm and blues, as it would have been called at the time. They were obsessed with uh, with the performers who were known as blues shouters. Do you know why they were known as blue shouters, Mark? Go on, I can guess. I think, but go on. Well, they played without; they, they performed no without microphones. microphones. <laughs> so, yeah, so they just had to be heard over whatever band they were playing with. You know, so so volume was the the key thing. Anyway, Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller were really, really keen on this kind of stuff. I used to go to every gig that they possibly could and ingratiate themselves with radio station people and and get backstage. And they they wrote to start writing songs and. Uh, and so they would go to gigs and, and try and get backstage and pitch these songs to, um, you know, to very often middle-aged rhythm and blues entertainers. It must have been quite intimidating in the way, you know, for young chaps. It would have been these school. upstarts, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And anyway, the, you know the first song that Libra and Stoller sold? 
it was sold to the they, they particularly liked people like Charles Brown and Jimmy Witherspoon. They sold their first song to Jimmy Witherspoon when they were 16 years old. Okay. And do you know what the song was called? Go on. It was called Real Ugly Woman. <laughs> just, just really makes me laugh. The idea of a couple of 16-year-olds going, we've got a song for you, Mr. Witherspoon. <laughs> Sending in their shorts. Was it called Boy? <laughs> Conquering yeah, Pocket. Re- yeah. Real Ugly Woman. <laughs> That's a hit. That's got a hit written all over it. <laughs> anyway... He bought it. He bought it. So that was the, you know, that was how they got their start. Incredible. I love that idea. So origin I, of the phrase rock and roll. Well, yeah, because there's various theories, aren't there? The first, the first evidence, I think, of the words rock and roll are in "Rocket for Me" by Ella Fitzgerald, 1939. Now it's true that once upon a time the opera was the thing, but today the rage is rhythm and rhyme. So won't you satisfy my soul? with rock and roll. But uh, there's another theory, which I know, again, it's a, it's a naval thing, that that ships, if they pitched backwards and forwards, were rocking. And if they rolled from side to side, they're rolling. And sailors would come to port looking for the place to drink in their supercharged two or three days off. And they would talk about particular joints, particular cab- taverns or bars or whatever. So is it rocking and rolling? Meaning, mm. is it absolutely chaotic? Yeah, it's yeah, interesting, yeah. isn't it? I mean, it yeah, might right, be. Right. I've really got no idea, but I, I, I don't know where that expression comes from. Well, well it's funny. It's kind of euphemism for sex. Alan, but, you know. Alan Freed is often the person who goes into the history books as being the, the person who kind of popularised the um, the term. But I don't think it's quite as simple as that. Because, because what's really interesting, and here it connects with, if you've got that Ian Hunter record where he does a song called Cleveland Rocks, uh, and Cleveland was where Alan Free came from. And that song, the Ian Hunter song, starts yeah. with a recording uh, of Alan Freed talking to his audience who say, and he describes himself as, this is Alan Freed, king of the moondoggers. And he used to do a program called Moondog Matinee, which again, the band made an album called Moondog they Matinee. Didn't they? Yeah. And uh, and he used to he used to call it moondog music. And what he meant really was it was generally black rhythm and blues or blues shouters, very much the same kind of thing that Libra and Stoller out on the West Coast had been uh, been enthusing about. But it was played for a mixed audience. So I, you know, there, there were white kids as, as well as black kids. So he called it moondog music until and I and never realized sued it. by Moondog, wasn't he? He was sued. Louis Harding. Louis Moondog Harding. This is just, you know, talk about it's a mighty long way down rock and roll. You yeah. Know, these, these things just all link up over the years. You know, people who were familiar with Moondog was a eccentrically dressed street performer who used to, used to, used to perform his music on the streets of New York. But it was also quite a serious composer, avant-garde composer, yeah. and made a load of albums on, on Columbia in the late 60s. So Louis Moondog Hardin. So he took legal action against Alan Freed to stop him trading under the name Moondog. So he consequently, had to change the name of the program, didn't he? He had to change. So by then, he'd moved to WINS in New York. And that's when, for the first time, faced with the threat of Lee Lashton from Louis Moondog Hardin, 
he called it rock and roll for the first time. Yeah, he had a show called Rock and Roll, Alan Freed's Rock and Roll Dance Party, I think. That's right. But that's fascinating, isn't it? The Word Podcast. Fix yourself a drink and it's like being in the pub. So Sting has been saying that he can't imagine any grown man being in a band. Um, no doubt as a way to deflect uh, interviewers' questions about uh, will the police ever go back back together again? Uh, you know, I think he's got a fair point. Yeah, though. I do. Do you, too, yeah, tell you Mark? Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> that that it, 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 a band is kind of it's no place for a grown. No, man. it's a teenage it's a, thing. It's a teenage <laughs> thing. But his point was that it 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 it, it restricts your creative range doesn't it which i can really understand because if you which is obviously why he left the police whenever he did when he was 32 or whatever is that if you're sitting there saying why don't we try a song like this it's got a bit of jazz in it or it's got a saxophone solo or something the other two members of the group say no we're the police this is what we play so yeah. you're very very compromised by having to run everything past some other people you know and uh i, I thought that was fair enough and it, it made me think that there were certain bands who are still going who who you know, are only still going probably because they're they're less successful. You know, I mean, the Stones is a really good example. Mick Jagger and Keith Richards were not successful. Outside oh, really? Of the really absolutely. I mean, really, really very unsuccessful. I can't remember how many solo albums oh, Mick Jagger's made. Three, I think, wasn't it? Three, he yeah. Quite a bit. I mean, the Stones didn't really exist from about 1982 to 1987 because they were trying to, he was trying to establish himself as a solo artist and failed miserably. So they do it because you know that's where their commercial prospects lie, and that's what the that's what people want to see. You know, ACDC. Well, you I see, mean, we are we Angus. are attached to them, aren't they? I mean, they, you know, we are attached to bands. We, the public, we love bands yeah. because they're about something more than music, can't they? We we look at them. We said this before, you know that that. Uh, you know, if you two or whatever, they go on stage and half the value is people just look at them and go, oh, there they are. There they are. They met there when they were 16 at school and they're, <laughs> and they're still together. They're still together. Well, the East Street Band's the best example. Of yeah. East Street Band, you just think that what what's so lovely is that sense of, of camaraderie and friendship yeah. and the bond between them. And that's almost more important than the music. It's just they Where, Whereas the, the truth yeah. is that uh, for the people inside the groups, generally a band is a really good um, organism. It's built for ascent, if I can put it that way. It's built to, to conquer an objective, to, to pull yourself out of obscurity and mean something. Yeah. And, and so when, as, long as, you're, as long as you're at that stage in your growth, all the energy goes in the right direction. Yeah. As soon as you've made it, the energy goes outside the group. People yeah. start to want to have a little bit of space over here and a little bit of space over there and a bit more credit for this and a bit less credit for that and so forth. So that's the problem that all groups have, isn't it, really? But we as the audience, we're just really attached to groups. We wish they could all be in groups forever. You know, we'd and like, we, and we imagine like the ourselves to be back together again. They'd yeah. all like the Smiths to be back together again. You know? We imagine ourselves as an extension of that gang. We imagine ourselves yeah. as part of them. Yeah. But it's interesting. And, we, you know, I was thinking about, about people who were in bands and then went on to be solo. Are there any that you preferred outside of a band? I can't think of one. 
Can you? Yeah, I can only think of one, actually. I can think of some people who I really liked them when they were in bands and I really liked them when they were solo, uh, kind of in equal uh, proportions. Uh, Paul Simon, if you can call Simon and Garfunkel a band, but Paul Simon has made records, I think, possibly as good as uh, as uh, Simon and Garfunkel. On oh, better, own. I would say. Many you think better? That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. Richard Thompson, I would say probably the same. I loved yes. that convention when he was in it, but I kind of, some of his solo records are incredible. A lot of people are worse. I think Sting was worse outside of a band. I think Lauren Hill was worse. I think John Fogerty was infinitely I think Robbie Robertson was infinitely worse, I think. And really, John Fogerty is a weird one because yeah. within Credence, he kind of did it all anyway. Yeah. But once he was doing it all on his own, he but was without no those others around him, it didn't seem to work. <laughs> it didn't. I know, I couldn't agree more. Now, the only person, not that he's terribly important, but the only person I actually preferred outside of, of Genesis, in his case, was Phil Collins. I think Phil Collins made some really good solo singles hey, in the has. early 80s, which I actually prefer to anything that Genesis ever did. But then that's my thing about Genesis. I kind of like Genesis, but uh, I wouldn't go, I'm not in a Terry hurry to go and put a Genesis record on. No, I think, I think that's a fair point, because yeah. Phil Collins on his own, has a greater range than Genesis, doesn't it? Yeah, he does. And it seems to it's quite quite a narrow scene. Yeah, he does. Because Phil Collins on his own as a solo performer, he goes absolutely all over the place. Yeah. And uh, so we're saying... You can't hurry love, which was brilliant, I think. It was fantastic. So we're saying the only... Let's be categorical about this. The only person that we prefer outside of a group to being in a group is Phil Collins. Simple as that. You're listening to The Word Podcast, where the time is whenever you want it to be. Any other yep. business, uh, June 18th is Paul McCartney's 80th birthday, and it's also our second Word in Your Park in Holland Park. We're very excited. We keep getting quite excited about this. Oh, it was, lovely. it was so lovely last oh, year. Yes. A little tented arena that's attached to the back of uh, of the Opera House, and... Uh, it's just and it's perfect. If it's sunny, it's absolutely gorgeous. If it's rainy, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Another covered. event we got a load of we got about I think four or five uh, speakers, old mates of ours, talking about various aspects of the great Paul McCartney, and two of which we've announced. So one is Jeff Lloyd, who you probably know from uh, Virgin and Absolute Radio, and also does the Beatles Brunch on Absolute Radio sixties. Um, major, major McCartney expert and very, very. Very good talker, very enthusiastic guy. And the other is Andy Miller, who's been on our podcast too and uh, wrote The Year of Reading Dangerously. And he's the guy from the Backlisted podcast with John Mitchinson, who's also, also the lead singer, Dave, of Shabby Road. Shabby right? Road, of course. Shabby Road. <laughs> and we we did a thing, you and I did a thing with him and John Mitchinson, the Backlisted, at, um, at Paul Elliott Festival about two or three years ago. And he turned up in a magical mystery tour tank top. Yes, which you which can indeed we've buy online. I know, which we thought was fantastic. And he said, he especially took a photograph of himself wearing this and holding a copy of the Magical Mystery Tour album. So that'll be really fun. We've got two other, three other uh, speakers to announce to. To be announced in due course. But So that's June 18th at Holland Park. How should people get the tickets, Alex? Well, there's a link in the show notes. And you can also uh, go to wiyelondon.com and there's a whole ticket widget on the Word Newer website. So get your tickets and we'll see you there. And fine weather, guaranteed. This podcast was brought to you by The Word. (laughs) 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 